Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. All right, well, I think you know where we are. We're in Philippians. If you've got your Bible, please open it up. We're in chapter 3. This morning, we're going to finish uh, chapter 3, and then we get on to chapter 4 next week, Sunday. We're going to read from chapter 3, verse 10, all the way down to verse 21. Two weeks back, we went all the way to uh, verse 11. I'm going to read verse 10 and 11 just as recap for context, and then we'll carry on reading all the way through to verse 21, and then we'll take some time just to unpack some of the truths that we're seeing in the Scripture here. All right, read with me. I'm reading from the NIV translation, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. It says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example. Brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Amen. I feel like we started this whole series a couple months ago to get to this part. It's taken us a while, but there's some beautiful things we're going to unpack uh, this morning. I want to read verse 10 to 13 again, because we read a long passage, and then we're going to dig into this. Let's read from verse 10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained all this, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. We'll stop over there. We're seeing the spiritual ambition that Paul is writing about. He's got an ambition in life. He's talking about a prize. He's talking about a goal. He's talking about taking hold of. He's talking about moving forward, about forgetting what's behind. He's got a spiritual ambition. We too should live with ambition in our lives. 
We can't just sit back and just, you know, well, let go and let God. He'll do everything. No, we need to do something. There needs to be a spiritual ambition. There needs to be a drive to seek Him, to pursue Him, to go after Him that we might attain the goal to which He's called us, that we'll run the race set before us. We're going to touch on that in a moment. But we're seeing two things, that we need to take hold of some things and we need to let go of some things. See, Paul says, I I press on to take hold. It's an intentional taking hold of. It's not just a sitting back, waiting, hoping something's going to happen. Oh God, I'm feeling stuck and well, no one's here to help me. And Jesus throws a stick into the quicksand and he says, well, grab hold and I'm, I'm going to pull you out. And we just say, you know, stay there and say, well, God, no one's taking me out the quicksand. I'm still feeling stuck. You see, when we're feeling stuck, as Moses ministered to us earlier, it's in that moment that we grab hold, that we take hold of Christ, we take hold of Him, and we say, Jesus, help me be unstuck. Take me out of this situation. But we've got to grab hold of it. We've got to take hold. I think so often we, we sit back and we want Jesus to do everything. He, he's going to do it, but we still need to take hold of what He's doing. We need to be intentional. We need to take hold of Him. See, Paul's striving to become what Christ has called him to be and do. He was sure of his calling. He was sure of his purpose. He was sure of the goal that Christ had given him. He was sure of that. He was confident in his relationship with Christ. He knew that Christ had taken hold of him. And as he's taking hold of Christ, there's this confidence. Remember, two weeks back, we spoke about not having confidence in the flesh, but having confidence in Christ. Paul's confidence because he knows he's secure, he's strong in his relationship with Jesus. He says in verse 13, however, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. So he's straining towards, he's going towards, he's pressing on, but he hasn't quite got there yet. You see, he's, he's referencing the journey of life. Why is this rope here? This rope is, yeah, because this rope represents eternity. That's what this rope represents. You saw it going all the way out there. If this rope was a timeline, it represents eternity. Paul, he knows that in this equation of eternity, he's moving in a certain direction. He's going after something. He's pursuing Jesus but he hasn't quite attained all of it yet. He's still on this journey. He's, he's speaking to you and me because we're not yet perfect. We're not yet blameless and pure as we, we, we read about a couple of weeks ago in Philippians. We're on this journey of becoming transformed to become more like him. Remember our justification, our sanctification. We're still being sanctified as we become more and more like him. It's this journey. Paul's saying, I'm on this journey still. Let's move forward. Let's take hold. Let's run this race. Paul's straining toward what is ahead. See, he has a vision for his life, and he's, he's straining, he's moving towards that vision, what's ahead of him, because he knows the best is now and the best is yet to come for him. And so he's straining toward what is ahead. These are some of the things we need to take hold of. What do we need to let go of? Well, it says here that we need to forget what is behind. 
I mean, just think about it for a moment. Imagine if your yesterday determined your today. Imagine if your last year determined what this year will be. Imagine if what happened this year would be prophesying and determining what happens next year. Now, the reality is probably many of us, most of us live like that. We do let our yesterday influence our today and our last year influence our next year and so on and so forth. And, and of course, there are some natural practical consequences, consequences, and especially when we make some poor decisions. Well, the consequence of yesterday's decision is impacting you today. That's the reality of making a bad decision. But some things are out of our control. Some things happen to us. And even when we make those bad mistakes, does that mean that we say, well, I was in the mud yesterday, I guess I just stay in the mud today and tomorrow and just, uh, might as well just call me a pig and I'll just wallow away. No. No, Paul says that we are to forget what is behind. If this is the start of eternity over here, and we're moving forward, sometimes we need to forget the things that are past. Imagine if a child, a child lived its today as if tomorrow was its reality. A baby that's 10 months old, standing for the first time, holding on the furniture, wobbly, let's go for the first time, takes two steps and then boom, falls. Well, the next day, when that baby comes and it holds on to the same furniture that it did the day before, and then it remembers, oh, wait a moment, my yesterday is my reality, and that means I'm not designed to walk, because I tried yesterday and it failed, and so that, that truth is my truth, and so I guess I'm just called to be a sitter. God just created me to be a sitter. I'm not, I'm not designed to be a walker. I'm just created to be a sitter. And then that baby tries to speak, and it's, it's trying to learn language because it wants to communicate. And so it starts with its first syllables, its first sounds. Come on, guys. We all know what it is. It's da-da. Da-da-da. It's true. It's true, Chris. Da-da. And then, and then when the little child tries to say something different, like maybe, mama, mama, and then it gets it wrong, or it stumbles or something, then it's like, oh, I remember, I, my yesterday told me I don't know how to speak. I guess I'm just called to be a sitting dadara. I just sit and go dada, dada. That's what God created me to do. Come on, isn't that ridiculous thinking? But many of us apply this logic in our now, and that we let our past determine our today and our future. Because we look behind us and we say, well, look, I failed over there. I was no good over there. I made a mistake over there. And so therefore, that is who I am. Because the devil comes and he piggybacks on our past and he tries to let that become our future. No. We need to cut off those negative past behaviors thought patterns, lies. We need to forget what is behind and strain forward to what lies ahead, that we don't let our past determine our today and our tomorrow. Because as Chris gave us a sign last week, did anyone see a sign last week? 
Future starts now. Love that sign. Future starts now. Let's not let the past negatively influence our future. We need to let go of certain things. Certain things in your past, you need to let go of them. And as you let go of them, you'll stop the influence that it has over your life. I mean, just think about driving a car. Imagine if you drove a car by only looking at the river mirror at your past. I mean, you're not going to get very far before you crash. You see, when we live our lives focused upon the past, we end up crashing. That's why when we're looking through the windscreen of our motor vehicle, the rear view mirror is pretty small in relation to the whole windscreen. Because there's a context, there's a perspective for the, what lies behind. Yeah, it's a reference. We need to look back, but it's just a reference. We look forward when we're driving. We need to look forward. That we, we, we see what is God calling me towards? What is the goal? What is the prize that I need to pursue? We move forward. Let's carry on to verse 14. This life is a race and there's a prize. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. I mean, we need to have goals in life. Spiritual goals. I'm not talking about I'm looking for a promotion next month and this is my sales target and I want to, you know, get fit and healthy. And those goals are wonderful and do those goals. January's coming and I know this is goal setting season. Come January 17th, they're all out the window. But set those goals anyway. But we need spiritual goals. I'm not talking about setting necessarily, I want to achieve this and achieve that. I'm talking about a goal to grow and mature in Jesus. That you become more and more transformed into His likeness. That you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That you might become, uh, that you might be one that lives a life worthy of the gospel. This is the book of Philippians we've been covering. Have a goal to move forward in Jesus. And be intentional. Strive. Work towards it. As he guides you, as he leads you. Remember, work out your salvation. The dance called life. As you grab hold of him and he grabs hold of you. And he's, he, he guides you, he leads you. And we're in step with the Spirit. Have a goal to be in intimate fellowship and relationship with him. There's a race. And there's a prize. You know, this, this concept of, of our, our Christian walk, this this eternity that is a race. It's referenced a number of times in Scripture. It's not just here. Let's have a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to verse 27. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? Let's just pause over there. In a race, all the runners run. Breakthrough Life Church, family, there's a race. Are you running? 
because there's a race and you're in it. Whether you, whether you realize or not, there's a race and you're in it. And the question you've got to ask yourself is, well, am I running? Because the people that sit down at the start of the race and watch everyone else run ahead, well, they don't get the prize. Because the one that crosses the line first, that's the one that gets the prize. And so are you running? Is your goal that you will run further, faster, more intentionally with Jesus? Are you running? Are you engaging? Are you participating? Let's carry on you. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get that prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Remember that prize. Now it's talking about a crown. It's talking about an eternal reward, a crown that lasts forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. I sometimes, when I'm driving past people that are running, I sometimes feel like stopping and saying, do you need a lift? Are you okay? I'm just, I don't like running. If I want to exercise, I'd rather ride a bicycle or do an erg machine or something. I, I'm just not a runner. That's a joke. <laughs> Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself might not, may not be disqualified for the prize. Don't disqualify yourself for the prize that Christ has prepared for you because it's a race. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Again, we're seeing this reference to a race, to us being athletes, that there's a, a journey that we're on. We then have a look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's a, there's a race that's been marked out for you. God created you, and He intended for you to run this race. Only you can run that race. If you try to run your neighbor's race, well, you're going to get lost, and you're going to go off course. Only you can run your race. Only you can run the, the, the race that's marked out for you. And so we can't compare ourselves in this race because this is not a solo race. It's a together race. And as we do it together, we all have a unique path that God has laid out before us. It's not a competitive race in that we're competing against one another. So that's probably the one negative of this analogy, this metaphor, is that we think, well, I need to, you know punching my neighbor's tire so that I can win the race. No, it's not that kind of race. We're championing one another on. We're cheering one another on. We're encouraging one another on. We're saying, come on, do it. Go forward. Go faster. You can do this. God has got you. God is for you. And there's, there's a prize waiting for you. Run, run, run. That when you feel tired, run, run, run. Verse 15 speaks about this new mentality that we have. It speaks about being mature. 
That's all of us. We need to be mature. We need to grow up and be mature in Christ. And because we mature, we need to have this almost tunnel vision for Jesus. This tunnel vision for, for Christ that our lives will be fully focused, centered around Him to bring glory and honor and praise to Him. That we press on toward the goal, the calling, the purpose. Paul's being very gracious here. He, he's not leaning on his apostolic authority, but he's very graciously and gently saying to, to the church in Philippi yeah, that, you know, if you think differently, God will reveal this to you. If you think there's not a race and you, you, you think you're, not, you're running okay, but, but you're thinking differently, God will reveal it to you. And so, Holy Spirit, thank you that you speak to us. Thank you, Jesus, that you give us Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, speak to us, even as we read the Scriptures, as we dig into the Scriptures, as we pray that Holy Spirit is there with us, guiding us, leading us. Verse 16 speaks about us being faithful to what we already know. See, if we want more, the starting point is to steward what we've got. If we want to grow in greater levels of intimacy with Jesus, well, we need to do something with what we've already got. If we want to see more miracles, we want to see more, more healing, we want to see more breakthrough in our lives, we need to steward what we've already got. If you want more financial breakthrough, what are you doing to steward what you've already got? That's what Paul's saying, is we need to steward what we've already got. It means what he's saying is we need to do something. That we can't just come to church on a Sunday morning, hear a bunch of words, and then go home on Monday and never apply anything. We can't read the Bible on Tuesday morning and then not apply what we're reading into our lives. If we're not letting the Word transform us, then we're remaining immature. No, the invitation is for us to be mature. The invitation is, is for us to run the race. The invitation is for us to live lives of example as we are mature in the Lord. Verse 17, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. See, it's a race. It's an individual race, but it's a together race. It says join together on this race. See, Paul knows that there's a reward. He knows that there's a prize, and he knows that his life He's confident in the fact that his life is 100% focused on moving forward, straining forward, taking hold of Christ that he might receive the prize. Now he's saying to us, join together that you too may live a life like me, that you will follow me as I follow Christ. See, what he's saying to us is, is leaders and and you're all leaders. You're leaders in your workplaces. You're leaders in your schools. You're, you're leaders in your homes. You are all leaders. And, and Paul's saying over here, as leaders, lead by example. Don't just say good things. Don't just speak good words. But live a good life. That when your work colleagues see you, when they look at you, and they know that you're a Christian, that your behavior should lead them by example, not just the things that you say that come out of your mouth. No, live a life of demonstrating the goodness of God. Live a life that people want to follow.
verse 18. Gets a bit serious now. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. We need to live lives where we're not living as enemies of the cross of Christ. See, I think what that looks like is that we're we're working out our own salvation. We're gaining Christ. We're being found in Christ. We're doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. We're valuing others above ourselves. We're doing all things without grumbling. We're living a life where we're blameless, where we're pure, that we're rejoicing in all things. This is all verses out of Philippians. Live a life where we're not an enemy of the cross. Because it speaks about them in verse 19. It says, the end is no reward for them. Destruction is their end. You see, when we live as an enemy of the cross... We miss out on the prize. We miss out on the eternal reward. It says that their God is their stomach. And we need to ask ourselves, what, where is our source of comfort? Is our source of comfort our stomach? You know, do, we, do we live to eat? Or do we eat to live? Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying the beautiful food that God has created for us. But there is a point where it becomes not, not healthy anymore, where, where your stomach becomes your God. Where you sit now in church and you think, I wonder if the brides are on. Hmm, I wonder what's in those meat packs. They spoke about dessert. What is it, I wonder? All right, now I've lost all of you. <laughs> See, it says their mind is set on earthly things. Verse 20, it says, but our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. See, our citizenship is in heaven. This is not a future tense. It doesn't say your citizenship will be in heaven. No, it says your citizenship is in heaven. That means that right now you are a citizen of heaven. So if you ever wanted to be a, a dual citizen, well, I want to tell you you are. You're a citizen of South Africa or wherever you're from, but you're also a citizen of heaven. That is your reality. You're a citizen of heaven. Now, as a citizen of heaven, what are you living for? Are you living as a citizen of heaven or are you living as a citizen of earth? Are you living with the mind of Christ or are you living with the mind of flesh and earthly things? Have you got a self-centered motivation and ambition that's found in your 
South African citizenship? Or have you got a Christ-centered ambition that's found in your heavenly citizenship? You see, this, this rope that represents eternity, we live for eternity when we know Jesus. See, what if I told you that this little white piece of the rope represents our time on earth? And the rest of the rope represents eternity. You see, are you, are you living with only the white part in mind? Because there's a reward. There's a goal. There's a prize. And you know what? The, the goal, the prize, the reward that we get to live in, it lasts for eternity. We read it in Corinthians. Everlasting crown. Speaking of this everlasting reward. You see, the reality is that how we live in this very short moment called our time on earth, determines the rest of eternity. And we can either live with our South African citizenship, our earthly citizenship, as the be-all and the end-all, and help me to find comfort and joy and all the things in, in life that I want for just a very momentary form of satisfaction. Or we can live Live a life where we value others above ourselves. We live life without grumbling, that we rejoice in all circumstance, and we look forward, we strain forward to eternity, knowing that what we do now has eternal consequence. And are we going to squander our life in this moment, for this moment that will pass away? Or are we going to utilize every moment of this incredible opportunity to run this race that we've been granted to run, that we will have a goal to move forward, that we will have a goal to take hold of, that we will strain forward towards Christ and towards the goal that He set before us, that we will discover our purpose, our God-given calling, and that we will give everything for that because we know that eternity is at stake. And so the question is that Paul's asking us here is what are you living for? Are you living as a heavenly citizen? Because those rewards start now. We are now citizens of heaven. And so now let's live as citizens of heaven. Knowing that our neighbors need to know the story. They need to know that there's a God that loves them. Because what we do now has eternal consequence. Sometimes it's good just to get a bit of perspective. A bit of perspective on the short moment that we call life. In, con in the context of eternity. Don't you stand? Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for the grace that you give us. Thank you for the joy set before us that we get to run this race, this race called life, this beautiful adventure, this journey where you give us purpose, you give us hope, you give us life, you mark out the race for us that we might run this race, this lifelong race, this journey of growing closer to you, of being transformed more and more into your likeness, Lord. Lord, give us a Christ-centered ambition. Help us to rid ourselves of what, what is behind. It's never too late. The Lord says to you, it's never too late to start. It's never too late to start your race. Lord, help us to forget what is behind and strain toward what lies ahead with a Christ-centered ambition, that we will press on toward the goal for which you have called us forward. Lord, help us, Lord, to not live as enemies of the cross, but as citizens of heaven, Lord. Lord, help us to live in that reality that we are citizens of heaven now. Lord, help us in every waking moment of every day to realize that the decisions we make today have eternal consequence. That the direction we move in today has eternal consequence. And that when we're feeling tired, when we're feeling weak, when we're feeling down, that we will muster strength from deep within, within you, within one another, to keep going, to keep marching on, to keep seeking you, to keep pursuing you, to keep being ambassadors of Christ, the kingdom of heaven. Holy Spirit, we say, come and help us. Come and speak to us. Come and guide us and lead us, that we will... Get that prize one day. Well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, that's our heart, that we will get that well done. Help us, help us, help us. Amen.